This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So... The only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Kreuzer, hello, welcome to Rob Ryan Red, brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. It might not be the Papa John's anymore, but many Wrexham players were happy to just get a pizza, the action, in the EFL Trophy on Tuesday night. On today's episode, we'll take a look back at Tramir and the Toon, a deadline day disaster, and our upcoming clash with Doncaster Rovers. I'm Rich Fay. I'm delighted to be joined this week. As ever, by Mr. Nathan Salt. First of all, how are you doing? Bit of a heat wave. Were you one of these when well, you weren't? Neither as were at the Papa John's on Tuesday night. But did you tune in? I did. I watched it, um, and I know look, people have got very strong feelings. As we said, we won't go into it. You can you can look that up for yourself on why people are against these under twenty one teams. I watched it. Was hoping for a few more of the youngsters, a few more of the academy players. Um, didn't get that, but we did see Sam Dolby get off the mark. So for me, encouraging even if uh, it could have been a lot more comfortable, I think. Really difficult, wasn't it, to sort of predict the team. And then as soon as the lineup dropped on Tuesday night, I was like, oh, I kind of wish I was there in a way because I would like to see Tunnicliffe. I want to see Evans. I want to see, I want to see, you know, I want to see some of these players, like you said, Waters and Dolby, what they've got to offer maybe as a strike partnership, but got Arthur Conquo in goal, who we've signed on, on deadline day. McFadzian, who, you know, by all accounts had a, had a good game as well. And yeah, really interested one. Before, though, maybe we get into Tramier at the weekend and the tune on Tuesday night. We have to start with deadline day, don't we, Nath? It was a bumper day. I mean, the old sort of quirk in our industry is the teams who are active on deadline day tend to be the ones who are not well run. I think in Wrexham's circumstance, there's a lot more mitigation um, for, for the reasons why, particularly why they need to get a goalkeeper on deadline day. You would maybe question why they left it so late if they wanted a new striker and if they wanted a new midfielder. I mean, Evans looks like a good addition to me. I'm just thinking sort of, again, anecdotally with my line of work, the fact that Man United were so busy on deadline day is because they're not very well run. There's the there's the key there, and the teams who are sort of desperately doing deals tend to be left with egg on their face because they've got 
you know, there's there's a whole range of reasons. One is that you know there's mitigation for certain players coming in because you're left with a a position to fill late on in the window. The other one is certain clubs have to sell on players before you can buy someone in, so you know deals can get dragged out. I think that's the case of Armstrong, but it got dragged out a bit too long, didn't it, Nate? And well, what are we now? Wednesday. Luke Armstrong is still a Harrogate player. Will he be one permanently for the rest of the season, or at least until January? What's your gut on it, and what what is the latest, I suppose, on Luke Armstrong? Well, Luke Armstrong definitely will not be a Wrexham player, um, at least until January. That is um, that is set in stone now. Uh, the club have decided not to appeal the decision, and uh, you know from from all the sources I spoke to at the EFL, um, FA, I reached out to a lot of different people about this this deal on the Harrogate side. Wrexham were obviously very tight lipped on the whole situation. It's an, it's it's embarrassing. I understand that. They're, they're not going to want to be too um, forthcoming outside of their statements. And they've made multiple statements and deserve credit for that, at least, and trying to be open and transparent. Um, you know, news of this collapse first. I mean, it'll go down in a Hall of Fame, really. That, that anyone awake, is anyone still awake um, with the moon tweet before midnight on deadline day? You're getting everyone excited. I was on a Twitter space um, and look, people were waiting up to wait and see what Wrexham do. Are they? And it went on and on and on. And then it was jokes of, are they actually sending Armstrong to the moon? What's going on? Uh, you know, nothing coming. And then we saw that tweet that said, you know, Wrexham believe they've got the paperwork in. Now they're waiting to hear an ominous tweet, especially after you teased, teased the move. Harrogate had confirmed the move. And, um, and then I was hearing some talk that, look, I, I chased it on the Saturday morning. You were, I'm sure, having a couple of beers down at Tranmere. And I was told, look, a statement's imminent. Um, and, and I was told a three-way statement was coming from the EFL, from Wrexham and from Harrogate. And um, and I sort of knew then that, that something had gone wrong. Uh, and from what I'd heard from EFL sources was that Wrexham sort of knew immediately on Friday that, that there'd been a problem, that the required documentation had not gone in in time. There's a lot of bluster on social media about the club had appealed and, and the club were very hopeful of an appeal. And I actually didn't write anything from a work perspective because in the end, I just didn't feel confident that they had appealed. And obviously, lo and behold, they hadn't. Um, so, yeah, look, speculation is very fun. I get that. And it's very entertaining and gossip is is sexy now in, in modern football. But I'm very keen to just draw a line to the Luke Armstrong thing. I'll read out Wrexham's final statement on the matter. This said, uh, dropped on Wednesday, said, having reviewed the additional information received from the EFL and considered this in the context of the submission of the documents for the transfer of Luke Armstrong from Harrogate, the club have determined there is no reasonable chance of success if we were to appeal the EFL's decision to reject the transfer. Now, this decision has been made. We wish to apologise to Luke as we were unable to complete the transfer by the deadline in Harrogate Town who we are sure will be as disappointed as we are that the transfer will now not be completed in this window. The club will be reviewing the circumstances and processes that have led to this outcome with all relevant parties. And I think ultimately, Rich, while it's embarrassing from a Wrexham perspective, let's not, let's not sugarcoat it for anything that, that it isn't. It's deeply frustrating for Harrogate because you went and got out, got a replacement um, based on the knowledge that you were going to get 500,000. But ultimately, this is a really sorry state of affairs for Luke Armstrong went on strike at the start of the season to try and force through a move, came back into the fold. Um, Simon Weaver, you know, working towards the idea of a, a future without Luke Armstrong and now, or his options now alone, 
to the National League, um, move to the National League, or, or, or reintegrate. And um, it's going to be a long few months to get to that January window for, for Luke Armstrong. Yeah, really, a really complicated and sorry situation, I suppose, like you said, I think for, for all parties now, the key factors just to try and move on and, and get on with your season really I mean I'm sure for Luke Armstrong still in you know still banging in the goals and still looks like a, a player X and want then could go back in for him in January if we need to you know there might be a new target by then who knows Billy Waters might turn to like Lionel Messi overnight and we might not need him anymore but it's just it's just a case now where it's embarrassing it's it's not a good look at all for for the club, the way that this is imploded, especially the fact that it was teased on social media. I mean, that, you know, being in the industry, lots of times you can, that, that can happen when a deal isn't close at all. I mean, what, you have to go back, was it 2008? I remember Man United announcing the signing of Aaron Ramsey on their website and then he signed for Arsenal instead. You know, it happens at the highest level that, Certain clubs, you know, maybe have made their mistake, mistakes in the past. You think back to, again, David De Gea's move to Real Madrid, the faulty fax machine. Otherwise, you know, he would have gone to Real Madrid. He would have won, what, four Champions Leagues? But Rich, I was going to bring... It very different. Rich, I was going to bring that one up, the David De Gea, because a lot of the questions I got asked, um, you know, in retrospect of the of the statement that look, Luke Armstrong is not going to be coming, that we're not going to appeal it. Key question was, is there going to be a gentleman's agreement? Can we just do it the first day in January? What I would say is, I mean, you'll be able to confirm this or not. Real Madrid never sort of strongly came back in for David de Gea. It was a, it was a sliding doors moment. That it was that would have been the move for him. He didn't get it, and it never really came to pass again. And look, Wrexham could conceivably go and and sign Luke Armstrong on January the first, twenty twenty four. But you just never know. Wrexham's focus might have changed massively by January. Goals may not be the problem. It may be that. We don't need to go and spend five hundred thousand on a striker, and this may have been the moment that the the, the one that got away. Again, yeah, and you, like you said, maybe it changes now, and you know, Bickerstaff takes a chance that he wasn't going to get, and he does become that striker that everyone knows he's he's capable of being. We've said countless times. I think every, everyone who's watched Rex in the season knows that we're going to be a completely different team when Paul Mullins back. So it's annoying, it's frustrating that we've not got another striker. Because I think I said earlier in the window right at the start that, you know, I do want to be selfish, greedy, go get a League One championship striker in. Okay, Luke Armstrong's not quite that, but he's a very good League Two striker, probably could play in the league above. Yeah, yeah, it's not happened now, but we can't, you know, can't we can't feel sorry for ourselves. We've got to get on with it. No one's gonna be saying, oh, Paul Rex and they're a strike away from getting promoted. We've already got enough in that squad. We've already got so much talent. We've said all last season we've got a league League One caliber players. We've got a squad capable of winning League Two. Go and prove it now. We can't feel sorry for ourselves. We can't be here saying, oh, if only we'd signed a striker. And, you know, this might seem like me trying to move on. And this is no... I'm not having to go at Luke Armstrong. I would have been happy if he signed. But for the rumoured fee, and if it would have been a club record fee... It's a lot of pressure on him. Where does he even play? Because once Mullen's back, you're not starting ahead of Mullen and Oli Palmer's been our best player this season. So there's no guarantee he'd actually be starting. I'm not sure how he would have fit into our sort of structure and our lineup anyway, because we saw before Oli Palmer signed, Wrexham, even though they had Paul Mullen, were a completely different team. We needed that big man up front. He, that, that's so integral to our style of play. And for the fee involved, I, I wasn't fully convinced that Luke Armstrong was the right man. But again, 
I'm contradicting myself because I've said countless times in Parky we trust and he always proves us right with with these acquisitions. But I, you know, I really don't think it's the end of the world that the Luke Armstrong deal's not gone through. I do think that, like I said, when Mullen's back, will be a completely different team. We'll find that momentum. Bickerstaff could maybe take his chance. You do still maybe worry about Dolby and Waters. I know we'll get onto Dolby. We'll play both of them after that Newcastle game shortly. But yeah, I think for now, the Armstrong deal, embarrassing, but not the end of the world. No, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. And you've just got to draw a line under it now. I think, look, Parkey said he's got his own thoughts on why it went wrong. I'd be interested to see if there is any fallout behind the scenes. Um, you know, I'm assuming that they'll be keen to just draw a line under it. No doubt for the documentary, uh, this will be, you know, brilliant stuff for them and, and painful for us to, to watch about, but maybe interesting you know, come season three to, to see really what happened if there was a camera in the room at 11.15 or whatever the, the paperwork went through. And, you know, it's complex because in the Premier League, you get deal sheets where you are allowed um, extensions. They don't exist in the EFL and there is a much harder deadline. And look, we're recording this um, mid-afternoon on, on Wednesday. Um, the squad registration has now been submitted, the 22-man squad. That isn't, I'm told, publicly available on the EFL's website uh, until seven days' time. So by next week, we should know. Um, and we'll have the documentary out next week as well. So there'll be lots to go at. It, it's tough, isn't it, Rich? Two need to go. It would have been three had Armstrong signed. We're purely speculating because we don't know. Um, but have you, you got any and thoughts no, on, on, well, on maybe... That's never a, yeah, well, that's another important factor here, Nath, that the reason Wrexham had to make a decision sooner rather than later there is, if we'd gone down the appeal route, we would have had to axe three players in case Armstrong signed. And then maybe if it, the appeal wasn't successful, you then play it down. I know you could say, well, we can re-register someone who hadn't been sold or whatever, maybe at a later date, try and get them in. But I know once you've got a, a space... Certainly on Football Manager, if you have sort of one player under my Bala Town save, you used to be able to sort of there was a work there's a workaround I worked out on on Football Manager. Um but yeah, it they had to make a decision sooner or later. I'm I'm glad the club have finally just you know made a decision stuck with it. You've you've got to do that now. In terms of the players I wouldn't have registered, I mean, if you'd asked me this before last night's game, the Newcastle game, I would have definitely said McFadzian. But he played well. And of course, this weekend is the left back dilemma weekend, isn't it? Which, who knows what the what the selection will be? Well, I mean... well, Rich, no. I think the left back dilemma has somewhat solved itself because Gambia haven't um, picked Jacob Mendy in their final squad. Oh, in the final squad? Okay, I've only seen the provisional squad. Then. So, so he's in the so, provisional. So he's he will be he will be available. Um, for oh, the get game rid of McFadden then. Sorry, mate. Stop. <laughs> See you, Cal. No. So. Yeah. Uh... So Gambia did not, unfortunately for Jacob Mendy, um, did not pick him. And look, you know, from from a from a selfish perspective, it's great if we get to keep Mendy. Um, but for you know, great guy, and and I want him to be as successful as possible. And I know that you know, he's desperate to play for his country, as we all would be. And it's um, and it's similar to was it last year, two year and a half ago now on the pod when was it when Toza got called up to England? C was it Hayden? Got Toza called and up? Hayden, and yeah, we, yeah. And we, I think we both said, didn't we, that. Look, ideally we want them to choose club over country, but I'm never going to begrudge anyone choosing their country over their club because that is the ultimate pride for so many athletes in any sport, really, to represent your country, to be one of the very best. You know, I, I won't begrudge anyone, I don't think ever, for, for choosing international commitments over club if that ever happens in a Wrexham situation. For me, then, that makes the McFadden situation easier, I think. I just think we're overstocked there. 
in the fact that, look, you've got McLean, who I thought was excellent at Trammy. He was a joy to watch. I, I was just, I was sort of just bewildered. I was like, that's James McLean playing for Wrexham and he's bloody good. Makes the, the Wrexham amazing. sing aha. Yeah, as they said, yeah, I right. love it. Yeah. There you go. Um, so yeah, for me, he's amazing. Mendy is the alternative, the more, you know, oddly somehow Jacob Mendy's the more defensive option on the left all of a sudden. Don't know how the hell that's happened. <laughs> and then, you know, if you have to, Anthony Ford can fit in there. He he, he could play left left wing back if, if required. So I just think McFadden, you know, he's so you could say even like third, fourth choice on the left. We just don't need that that depth. I, again, though, maybe if you're keeping Bryce Hosanna, he was amazing. Was that first game of the season when he came on at left wing back? He really helped sort of get his foothold back in the game. I know we don't get anything from it, but he was he was just really direct and I liked him. So for me, I'd get rid of McFadden. I would have maybe got rid of a strike if we managed to get Armstrong in, but obviously that's not going to happen. So I probably do look at midfield and. I know this isn't what's going to happen, but I would. I still think McAlinden. I know he's just Mr. Utility Man and Parky loves him, and there's a reason he got a new deal. It's because of his attitude as well. It's the fact that he's he's happy not to be playing every week. Well, obviously not happy not to be playing, but he he gets on with it. He doesn't kick up a fuss. He appreciates his diminished role in the squad. He'll play anywhere the manager wants him to. So I do really understand the value of McAlinden, but I think just. He's maybe sort of a safety net that we maybe don't quite need, just because you look at when the uh, this Papa John's. I know it's not the Papa John's, but that's, that's what I'm gonna call it every week. When that campaign's done, is he really gonna get a chance now that sort of Evans is is involved? I just, I just can't see it. So for me, I think it would be McFadden and McAlinden. How about you? Is anyone else you'd you put in there? I'm, so, I'm guessing you're going to say James Jones just so Luke Young can play. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be cutting James Jones. I actually thought he looked lively. I mean, it's very hard to draw too many conclusions from from the Newcastle Under 21s game. What I would say is, and we'll get onto maybe that in a bit more detail. That the the young kid Diallo, absolutely rapid. Newcastle got a real player on their hands there. Um, when I look at it, it in terms of the league. You know, Bryce Hosanna, as you said, he got that assist for the Jordan Davis goal against MK Dons, played 11 minutes there, has made the bench twice, has not made the squad in the other three um, games. I'm looking at Callum McFadden's not made a league squad so far this season. Liam McAlinden made the bench against Barrow, been left out every other game. Um, I mean, obviously, Tunnicliffe has come back in now, and there's no way they're getting rid of Tunnicliffe. Bryce... Bryce, Bryce is one I'm looking at and going. Is he just? Is he just not reliable? You know, if it's funny, isn't it? Because in the summer, in the preseason, he's the fittest guy in the squad. Wins the bleat test. You know, is just got an absolute engine on him, and yet cannot. And he's obviously a really good player there, but he needs to be playing every week. I think. Well, doesn't and he? cannot I think for his own development. Cannot stay fit. I'm. I'm leaning towards keeping all five of the strikers now, but I. Don't think they will oh, do yeah. that. I, I don't think really? they will do that because, and the reason I say that is because I do think they believe internally that they can play Lee further forward and they can double up. And I think, but, yeah, I think they're gonna. I, I, I think they're gonna want to flood the midfield. Because I, I don't think there's an obvious Rich. I don't think there's an obvious candidate in midfield aside from McAlinden, which I think Parky loves. I think from what I've heard, great trainer, you know, good attitude content in a way to be sat on the bench not not content but not kicking up a storm not kicking up a fuss yeah you do need, you like do the, need players like, like that a, 
Yeah, he's like an unpopular Mark Carrington, I think. But you, you do, think, you do need yeah. people like that though in the squad. You can't have, yeah, you can't have a, a twenty-two man set of Paul Mullen. Like not Paul Mullen because that makes him sound like he's kicking up a fuss. But you know what I mean. You can't have everybody like that. It just not wouldn't everyone, work. Yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't work the, like that. The best football teams have to have those utility men and the the hard workers who do the dirty work. I do. Yeah, I fully appreciate that. And yeah, in terms of squad building, a key component is attitudes and people and a harmonious dressing room. And I suppose if Maka Linden's integral to that, then he's worth taking. It's like with the Welsh setup, World Cup, taking like Chris Gunter. You know, he's not going to be playing, but he was so integral to the harmony and what he resembled and being a key part of that group that sometimes you take players even if they're not really going to be, be playing much. So yeah, I do understand that myself. And I suppose reluctantly, is it going to be, are we saying? I'm saying two low Fancy moves. And, and Hazana. Okay, I'm going to say two. Uh, you can go with that. I'm going to go... I'll stick my neck on the line. I'm I'm going to go with Hosanna and Bickerstaff loan exits. I've I've I'm committing to that, and I've just contradicted whatever I've just said about keeping the strikers. I'm going to go with um, Hosanna and Bickerstaff loan loan moves. I just can't see. I mean, I we'll know see. we've discussed it in depth before, but Bickerstaff. I, I I'm at the point now where we're, now we've not got a striker, and if Bickerstaff goes out on loan, I am I'm writing. <laughs> Um, there'll be a lot of people with you. There'll be a lot of knives sharpened. Look, I've, I know I've I've been banging the drum for it. I'm less keen on it now than I was, um, mainly because look, we've got the best expected goals from set pieces so far the season. We defend best in terms of expected goals from set pieces, and we've got I think the fourth best expected goal return in the league from open play. So chances wise, we're creating them, but we need finishers, and without Mullin. We don't look like we've got anyone who could guarantee you 15 goals a season. Um, that's ultimately where we're at. So, free agent market, do we think, if Bickerstaff moves? Or are we just going to bank on Bickerstaff to get 15? I, again, I, I do. If if we go down the free agent route now with a striker, then I'm happy for Bickerstaff loan. But it's whether we do that or not, because you, 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 you do question that. With Mullen getting close to a return... We could last of with what we've got until January, then try buy someone. Like, you know, but it's it's harder said than done. I mean, was it? I think in our WhatsApp group the other day, we sort of put a list of the the free agent strikers who sort of stood out and and would be. I mean, I say semi realistic. They're still clutching at straws. I mean, Simone Zaza was there. Who, <laughs> was it? Was it Euro twenty eight? Was it? There was a European Championship, maybe twenty sixteen, where I just remember he absolutely skied a penalty. I feel like he played for Juventus, so I feel like he's probably not coming to us. And West Ham, yeah, yeah. So Simone Zaza, Dominic Samuel, who I think was at Reading for a period, Lyle Taylor, Dom Dwyer, Sam Winnell, and Andre Gray. Now Connor Wickham, uh, ex card Connor Wickham. I mean. <sighs> There's, I suppose, also a strike you want, and are any of those rich? What better than rich? What I want to say though is we've known since the moment Nathan Bishop smashed the lungs of Paul Mullen that we needed to go and get a striker. Um, yeah, I, I know oh, that the I know that the club registered interest in Armstrong early and were told clear off. Basically, I don't know if they were told clear off or give us five hundred thousand. I don't know, but ultimately, it got late in the window. It it's then became available again and and yada yada yada. It, what, yeah, and that's you know, what I mean earlier in terms of there is mitigation for why teams act late. I'm not just I'm going to tack on Rex and saying we're badly run. <laughs> no, there is definitely not badly run. But if Armstrong was their man and the only striker they wanted on top of their list, 
then you can understand why they wanted him so late in the window. But but Rich, we weren't getting him. I, at, we weren't getting him at a snip either, though. We were probably getting him at whatever the market value was, probably on day one of the window and, and the end. Yes, and that's what worries me as well in terms of the Armstrong deal, um, or what would have been is for the fee, the reported fee paid, which would have been a club record. Those sort of rumours it could have been. In total, sort of around the four hundred k mark, maybe with a lower initial fee. I, 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 I was I was told it was much more closer to the five hundred thousand. Um, okay, mark. So it well, was, I know, you know this is again just me, sort of. You know, I, I look at the numbers from from sort of deals I've put on this summer and stuff. There gets to a point when the money, like you get so transfixed on one player that you then realise, shit, there's the strikers in the Championship or League One that you could buy for that that are starting for their club. Or someone at championship level is that like maybe third third choice, and I just think value for money. If you're committing that much, Armstrong might be brilliant, but I think you can almost get too transfixed on him and then realise there might be better value elsewhere that maybe we're just overlooking because we thought Armstrong's our man on these sort of initial budgets. And then once the money goes up, you sort of discount anyone else. And you're like, well, let's go for Armstrong. I do just feel that you know there's going to be reasons why they wanted him. And again, like we said, in Parker we trust. He doesn't sound many duds, but like I said, I think to to go full circle again, I'm not overly concerned that Armstrong, the deal fell through, because I do think right now we've we've got enough at least to get us to January. If we need someone, then I think we could we could go break the bank and get someone else in, maybe even Armstrong again. And like you mentioned, the free agents, you know, if we really do get desperate, there are options there. Maybe not solutions, but there's options. Rich, we did make signings on deadline day, though. We did make additions, one of which was George Evans from Millwall in the Championship. Mixed opinions on him from Millwall fans. Some really disappointed to see him go. Others saying he was you know, never a Championship player and was probably top end of League One, which, you know, great great news for us either way. And goalkeeper on loan, Arthur Okonkwo from Arsenal, who I'm... Sure has come with the ambition to be the number one and to play regularly. I'm sure that Arsenal are not loaning him out to a League Two team to see him sit on the bench, but then I'm sure Sligo Rovers were hoping that Luke McNicholas was going to get some more game time, so we'll see how that one develops. But your initial impressions then, George Evans and Arthur Okonkwo? I thought George Evans was really solid against Tramier. I know he came on and didn't have much to do. I was surprised by like sort of how tall he was. He's absolutely handsome as well. What a man! And part of the George Evans Appreciation Appreciation Society, Cheadle lad. I mean, he can join the Manchester Reds once he retires if he wants. I think we'd we'd welcome him with open arms. I think he looks like a good addition. The type of player that that we need, the versatility as well. Someone who can fit into that defensive midfield role if we need it. Add a bit more of a physical presence. I mean, you you could sort of just see by just looking at the pitch in those closing stages against Tramia. We are such a massive team. We're so threatening from set pieces. And you mentioned the expected goals from set pieces. I think that's only going to increase with, with George Evans there. I think that he was a smart and shrewd addition. Really, really happy with, with that piece of business. Arthur Okonkwo, I think right now, still looks, you know, it's only a very small, you know, I mean, what, what the word am I looking for? Sample sort of small, size, no? Small sample size. Sample That's exactly size. what I was looking for. It's very small of sample what we've size. Seen so far, of, of what we've seen so far. I'm still maybe leaning towards Mark Howard for the next few games. But, you know, this is a young lad who 
highly rated. He's had some good low moves in the past. He's got good sort of re- report card. And yeah, you know, again, I'm, I'm happy that we've got a keeper in because we were saying previously on, on a podcast that I, we felt we needed someone who's a younger profile. I believe a Conquo is out of contract next summer as That's well. Right. So the low move That's made right. sense. And it works perfectly because you might be saying, well, he's he's, he's on loan now and he's, he wants to prove to Wrexham he can, he can play long term. But, you know, he's been at Arsenal. I'm happy for him to use this season to just put himself in the shop window for anyone next summer. If it works out and he signs for Wrexham and we have him for a few more years, great. If not, as long as he's playing, as they're basically playing for a contract, I think that's a healthy situation. Because I, I think sometimes, and this is where a reluctance to loan players from sort of elite academies comes, is they can often think they've made it. And you can often get players who come down, oh, I've scored 20 goals a season for United, and they just have a reality check, don't get a kick in. And I think it's different when it's a player like this, a Conquo situation where he's always been out on loan twice. He's used to professional football and playing against players who are, you know, trying to pay their mortgage off. And now he's faced with a situation that, look, next season he's going to be without a club next summer. So he, he's got a reason to fight. He's not just coming to Wrexham to, you know, still be on his Arsenal wages and just, you know, get out for for a year he's he's here to have a it's a real important season in his career of of where he goes next and what level he plays at so I think he's he's a good addition like I said it's such a small sample size well like you said it's a small sample size but yeah we'll wait and see on that how about you are you happy with them well before I get into how happy I am I was gonna have a quick question did the Manchester Reds have a little little AGM what was going on there I did see you in a in a boozer a picture what was Fill us in on the big Manchester Reds night out if you can. Yeah, we had our we had our AGM. Um, many a pint was dro- drunk. Um, some, yeah, it was good. It was good to see everyone. There's a few of them who listen to the podcast. So shout out to, oh. to all of you who are, who are listening. And yeah, went with them to the uh, Tramway game at the weekend. And again, I'd, I'd probably use this now as just a sort of this isn't just to sell the Manchester Reds. Obviously, if you're in the northwest area and want to go to games and sort of carpool and, you know, if we've got spare tickets, we'll try, you know, sort of help each other out where, where we can and stuff. And it's just a good, real good community and really friendly sort of family feel to it. But I just urge people now, wherever you are in the world, never mind sort of the, the UK, whatever, see if there's a local supporters group, um, official or, or underground, as, as it were. We, we were underground for a while. We are now an official sort of partner of the club. And yeah, just... Just I just urge them to join supporters groups if there's one that's that's, that's close to you. I know South Wales Reds has sort of formed and, and has been strong. I know you've been part of the London Reds. Is there the Dubai Reds I've the seen D- maybe? D- Dubai Reds, there's all sorts. The, the, I think there's the um, Rex, Rex and Texans. There's yeah. uh, the Shropshire, like Reds. Shropshire Reds. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So loads and loads. What I'd say is, you know, if there isn't a supporters group in your area, look at maybe trying to set one up. And if there is, just try and get involved. Go to the AGM or whatever. We had some new faces there. And yeah, it was, it was a great night. Really good just to see everyone. And yeah, just Rex and fans look out for one another. And I, I would urge everyone to try and join a supporters group if there's one that's that's close to home, really. on Okay, on my thoughts on the signings, Arthur Oconquo, let's start with him from Tuesday night. Got the start ahead of Luke McNicholas. I mean, can I say this in a nice possible way? I can because I've spoken to him and I've interviewed him. He's got a little bit of the Maiavi about him, or maybe that was just some jitters from the first. He's got a little erratic. bit of that. No, he's. A... I don't think it's erratic. It's just unorthodox. You know what I mean? It's slightly at times unorthodox, but he's a big lad. He can kick to the moon, 
which I know is a bit of a sensitive subject given we're asking if anyone's still yeah, awake Matt over Bruce there. And, um, yeah, might get Luke Armstrong on the way. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Dislodge him. But I think if you're Ollie Palmer or you're Paul Mullin or, or you're Sam Dolby, Billy Waters or, or um, Jake Bickerstaff, you must be licking your lips at the idea of him absolutely hammering it into into space and then it just dropping behind the defense because he can he can really kick it. I, I I was struggling to think of a keeper that Wrexham have had in recent years, probably in the past decade, that have kicked it that or that can kick it as far as him. It is Maxwell. I seem to think Chris nah. Maxwell's good with his feet, wasn't he? This this kid's something else. Maybe you're looking at like Ingham if you're going further back, Mike Ingham maybe. Was Schwanjel um, good at kicking the ball? What was was Schwanjel good at much? I, I can't really remember. I, no. I like Schwanjel. <laughs> okay, there you go. I thought he was okay. He was fine. He was, he was steady. Non-offensive. Steady. Non-offensive. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, anecdotally, do you remember that? Do you remember the anniversary season where we had who we, so we had Luke Coddington on loan, John Flat on loan. Well, John Flat actually followed us on Twitter the other Backman. day. Actually, he's now Did he's he? now he's now at Wolves uh, as some kind of academy lead. So thanks to John Flat. That for sounds like that sounds us. like a future podcast, doesn't there it? There you go. Well, he's he's he's. Uh, did John Flat play in in the away game at Stoke? I remember we we played away yes, at Stoke he did. And, and yeah. Um, I anyway, he's registered. I, all I know about John Flat is he never kept a clean sheet during his four or five game loan spell at Rex. Well, look, Arthur Conquo. Coddington saved a penalty against Barnet, I think it's against the Kinde. Well, look, jo- Arthur Conquo, who's gone down a rabbit hole, would have gone down a goalkeeping rabbit hole here. Arthur Conquo did keep a clean sheet. Probably was fortunate too. Newcastle had a couple of chances that, I mean, they, they had head in hands. You know, they really should have scored. Uh, and credit to them that they, they were way off it to start with. I mean, Sam Dolby. Probably should have scored. Tries to go around the keeper, um, goes down. It's a it's a clean challenge in my book. No penalty. Uh, I've seen some people showing that as replays on, on Twitter. Definitely not penalty for me. Um, but look, you know, clean sheet for for a Conquo. He, he's not had much in preseason. He is going to be knocking on the door, I think, in a couple of games time. Um, but for now, I, I go into that Doncaster game with with Howard still between the sticks. I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree with you yeah. on that one, and I suppose I, I suppose just sort of again on the, the the Newcastle game. Were you surprised by by the attendance of that? Because you know, I I didn't have any personal interest in going to it. I don't really support the competition. I don't really see the point in it whatsoever. Obviously, I'll go to Wembley if we get to the final. I'm not an idiot, um, but yeah, I'm. I think you know, I'm not going to begrudge anyone going to the games because tickets are so hard to get to. Wrexham games are the hottest ticket in town. Why not go for reduced prices to see what was still a very strong Wrexham team play against, you know, some some really, I thought there was a few promising youngsters at Newcastle side. So, yeah, I don't, do not blame anyone for going whatsoever. It's their choice independently. Just I, I didn't have any interest in going. And were you surprised about the attendance? I think it was really encouraging. I mean, I can't imagine any other team sort of came close to that on the night, did they? No, no. I mean, it, it, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised by the attendance. So, like I say, we've said it before, everyone's got their views on, on the tournament, and it is you know the the lowest priority in Wrexham season without a shadow of a doubt. But you got to understand that there were kids there last night that got to watch Wrexham for the first time with their families and cheap tickets, a fiver or even less if they were even younger, and that counts for something. And it wasn't, you know, respectfully, it wasn't just the academy lads we put out, and it was it, it was I, I get it wasn't Mullin, but it was Palmer and it was Lee at the end, and it was. Evans, who played an absolutely delicious ball, um, delicious ball for 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 the for the goal that, that sets that move off. Um, 
Yeah, it was Dolby, it was Waters, it was Young, who Andy Cannon out with the virus, he would have started in place of Luke Young, but uh, Luke Young comes in, Mr. Reliable gets his Man of the Match award, another one for the collection. Um, yeah, it was plenty of lads that, that that fans know. It wasn't a mystery 11 that maybe we thought it was going to be. So Yeah, it wasn't um, Rangers away, was it, in the Tunnocks? It, well, no, it so I felt the Tunnocks Karen McWafer Cup is, is genuinely... I'm so annoyed we didn't win that. We could have won. We, Champions of Scotland, you'll never sing that. That was such oh. a missed opportunity from Keats. That's the one thing I'll hold against <laughs> Dean Keats that season. That team at Rangers away was just oh, atrocious. I, I, I don't even think about it. don't even dig that back up. But yeah, on Evans, pleasantly surprised. I mean, is it it's essentially another Tom O'Connor, isn't it? It's, it's a centre-back that can also play central midfield or a centre midfielder that can also play centre-back. Um, Tonicliffe's return, that's a positive. Did go off. Um, him and Aaron Hayden clearly building up their fitness. Max again, Rolls Royce probably should have scored last night. He went on a marauding run, played a lovely little one-two with Sam Dolby, little back heel from Sam Dolby, edge of the box, but was on Kluwer's right foot and uh, on his wrong foot, sorry, and um, obviously skied over. But yeah, there was plenty to be encouraged by, you know. And 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 it seems silly, but given the way the preseason played out, we're still in. There I say, we're still in minutes in the tank territory for some of these lads. It's like they're second or third game of the season it's bonkers yeah yeah it was a I'm just happy with the way the game went really you know I'm glad it wasn't high scoring because I wasn't there and I didn't want to miss out on too much one nil win I'll take that didn't feel like I missed out on much like you said minutes in the tank and yeah a good solid start only need maybe another point to get out of the group potentially another win certainly gets you out of the group anyway and then then who knows what what happens really I think from a a selfish point of view, I'd quite like reckon to get out of the group and then maybe get United or City under 21s in the knockout so I could do that for work. But we shall wait and see what, what the future holds. And yeah, I think as well, while we're on it, don't need to go too much into Tramir because it was so far, you know, so long ago now by the time you listen to this. But James McLean for me, I'm just in awe of him. I've been singing the song non stop all week. I just, I couldn't take my eyes off him on the day. I was like, that's James. It's the first time I'd watched him in the flesh for X. And I was like, that's that's that guy. Barnet was brilliant. A bit of Barney ball. He was just, he might only sort of have one trick in his repertoire, but it's a very good trick. Run into that byline, a few step overs and vicious crosses into the box. Not floated ones. He whips the ball in. Ollie Palmer is brilliant again. And Aaron Hayden scoring from the corner. We, If I was a Tramier fan, I'd be deeply concerned. I mean, the, the one positive for Tramier is they might win the National League in a year's time, but, you know, they, they look doomed. They look absolutely doomed. And Wrexham should have won that 4 or 5 nil. And I'm I'm very confident, happy with the clean sheet, and yeah, I'm see I, we look like we've got some winnable games on the horizon now as well. Well, look before I get into my thoughts on Tranmere, let's just play the a little snippet of the song that's been stuck like a like a worm that's wormed its way into your head. Uh, this is the James McLean chant from a bouncing away end at full time. <laughs> Rich, uh, stuck in our heads, can't get it out of our heads. Voulez-vous by Abba. Um, and I, I bet James McLean is loving it. You know, you, see, you saw his post on social media, Rich, just saying, stick it up where it doesn't shine, basically. If you don't think League Two is good enough, I'm enjoying it, I like it, and I'm good enough. That's why I think it's a match made in heaven. I mean, I'm not going to speak on behalf of all the fan base, but Wrexham does feel like one of the f- few clubs he could have gone to where he sort of embraced for who he is rather than villainized. 
And you, do you know what I mean? I, people have different opinions on it. We're not going to go down the political route and try to divide our, our listeners anyway. But I do feel like Wrexham fans are going to love him because, he, and he's got to give a lot on the pitch, you know, and just let him get on with it. He he, he looked brilliant. Fair play as well to the kids behind us. He tried to get the uh, wake me up before you go go. Who needs Foster when you've got a Conquo chant going? About three of them who I don't think any of them had hit puberty yet. Certainly from the high pitched uh, nature of the song, but it didn't quite didn't quite get going. But yeah, I think the Wrexham chant scene is, is doing all right at the moment. I'm, I'm quite happy with it. I, I, I still think that we need to maybe make some more of our own original chants. I'm not saying you and me, because that went horribly last time. But I I just feel like there's so much at Wrexham that we don't just need to steal all of Liverpool and United, Everton, Arsenal chants and sort of repurpose them as our own. Let's get some more original ones Every- out there. This is another call to arms. If you've got, I mean, Henry in the Manchester Reds group, he was the one who came up with the bloody... American, right, right. American pie. It's more, more gold like that. I'm, sta- I'm standing, I'm standing by that, Richard. I don't think that was bad. I think you, I think you, you do. Oh, no, I think service. that's the, I think that's the greatest chant of all time. Right. Well, look, there are a load of chants. If, if you're not sure of the chants, I've put a load of the lyrics to the, uh, the songs on robbryanred.com. You can find that on our Welcome to Wrexham tab. There is a, um, a an article on there about chants, and it's got all the lyrics, including the the James McLean one, Elliot Lee. Very quickly then, uh, sort of 60-second summary of my um, Tramier thoughts, Rich. Ryan Barnett's Black Boots, love that. Very classic. I know he, he liked our tweet about that, but yeah, very classic, very traditional. Always had a thing for just the, the, the no-nonsense Black Boots. Thought that was great. Um, the last game before Oli Palmer shaved his head. I'm not sure what's happened there. He's gone for the Owen O'Connell look, and they're going to get uh, torn apart. Um, Elliot Lee looks human, I think. I think for once, I mean, fair play to him. He's done a lot of the the carrying of the of the workload. That's okay. He looked human. He's we, we've seen a consistency now in O'Connor, Young, and Lee. Is that the three we're going to see moving forward potentially? Evans could come in and and change it. He could take Luke Young out the side. We don't know. Um, but you know, in this kind of form, you're not going to be dropping Luke Young and and um, yeah, McLean. Yeah. McLean was just. He, he just looks so dangerous. He just looks so much better than everyone else. Than it's everyone, just, yeah. you know what I mean? Just like it, it, there was space for him I, yeah. opened up so easy and everyone else, it looked hard to do. He's just, it's his movement reading of the game, his actual intelligence. It's just far, it's still championship level player. And I cannot wait to watch the McLean, Lee, Mullen sort of interchange and play. That is going to terrorise teams. And that's why I'm so confident now. I haven't watched that. I know Tramia were absolutely garbage, but like oh, they we've were also bad. got to make we've got to make them look bad and punish them though. And I know we almost somehow didn't win the game in the end. There was pinball in the box, but I think we we've got a real good good team with some really technically brilliant players there. And yeah, bring it on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com So moving on then from Aaron Hayden's magic hat display at Tranmere. Also, very quickly, I know we've, we've moved on segments, but great to see him get a goal and he, he had to be patient. And uh, I'm glad he got to do it as well in front of the away end. Always always a little bit sweeter when, when you get to do it. Some great pictures and video um, of him. But from one Aaron to another, um, this is going to be a, a big thing that we're going to push now all the way for the rest of the month, really, um, is that Nicola friend of the podcast i'm sure we'll get her on as well rich um nicola it's got really actually sad sad tale that um she lost her son aaron um at the age of seven after his three-year battle with a high-grade brain tumor so back in april at the age of seven um aaron sadly lost his life um and you know that is absolutely gut-wrenching lots of friends and and supporters of nicola and, and supporters of aaron he was a mascot with luke young there was a picture of him last season walking out with the skipper uh, and Aaron's army has been created in his memory. Um, you know, when I, when I read into the story of, of what happened to Aaron and, you know, I mean, Rich, we've been very fortunate that we've been able to navigate life without anything too serious, especially childhood. You, you, you want to be carefree and you want to enjoy it as best you can. I mean, look at the age of four in 2020 during the, the pandemic, Aaron was diagnosed with a very, very rare and, and very aggressive brain tumor um called anaplastic empindoma empindoma i think of the posterior fossa i think that's what i write that's what i've got written down and um incredibly serious and incredibly aggressive in terms of the chemo and the radiotherapy and surgery and and i can't even begin to imagine you know how difficult that was for him and and the family and um look anyway he he's lost his life and nicola and friends and family are doing aaron's army walk of hope in ellesmere on the 30th of September. Now, I called on some of the guys at the squad, people at the, in the club. Um, ben Tozer has said that he will try and support as best he can. He put it out on social media, the link, um, the Just Giving link. We are going to do that. We've made a donation. And look, you know, I get that times are very hard now and um, there's, there's a million and one causes out there. But look, with the amount of people we know listen to this, if it was one pound, one dollar, fifty pence, whatever, it would go a long way towards um, Nicola's target. And uh, you know, one of the best things about the Wrexham family, Rich, is that they always rally together. Whether it's support for the food banks or, or the, the myriad causes that I see, you know, the Osborne Trust were outside the ground for the Newcastle game, and I know they were really pleased with the money they raised. And it just never fails to to blow me away what people can do when they, when they come together. So. We're going to get Nicola on in the weeks to come. She is doing a walk on the 30th of September. All this month on every podcast, you'll be able to find the Just Giving link for her donation page. Um, and we just want to help support as best we can. Luke, uh, Young and family are going to try and help her as best they can. I think there might be a signed ball for grabs very, very soon. 
Ben Tozer and others are going to do their best. So if you can give anything, um, or if you can even spread the word, that is giving in its own right on social media, that will be much appreciated. So, Nath, we've got our mailbag as well that we're about to go through now. Thank you once again for all of you who get in touch with the podcast and interact with us on social media. Not that I need to give you a reminder, but it is basically Rob Ryan Red on all the socials. Of course, you can get us on robryanred at gmail.com or you can visit robryanred.com and use the contact button there to get in touch with the podcast. We do read all your correspondence. We do try to get through it as, as quickly as possible. We don't always have the time to address it on air. This seems like a good week to do so. Of course, you know we'll get onto the Doncaster preview before the end of the pod. But Nath, you've got some some choice cuts there, haven't you? Of some of our our favourite emails as of late. Are you gonna divulge what they what they have to say? So look, I got the, we got this one. I got this one. We got this one that said I've done it. So I thought this is interesting. What has the sender Dennis? What has he done? And he wrote, hello again to Rich and Nathan. So you've made it. You're the first name on the team sheet there, Rich. Hello again to Rich and Nathan. Yes, I've done it. I've gone back and listened to all 134 episodes. So please add me to your 100% club. Is it, Are we even in the 100% club? No, there's there's definitely episodes I've not. I mean, here's, an, here's Behind the Magician's Cloth. I usually listen to the podcast on mute the day after it comes out. <laughs> I listen to it for, for audio quality, and then when I'm working, I'll sort of reduce the volume down just so it gets an extra play. Oh, my word. That is the That might be the worst piece of promo you've ever given us. <laughs> well, no, no. See, that's what I'm saying to everyone. Even if one week you can't be, can't be bothered listening to the podcast download it and play it on mute because that still helps us ouch i'm not hey, i i listen to it back and uh i i enjoy it maybe i just enjoyed the sound of my yeah, own voice I, I don't think i should go into marketing no definitely we're gonna leave the marketing to somebody else um so dennis but i'm in the 100 percent club i listen to the old episodes while driving to work and back while gardening and even somewhere in the bathroom thankfully doesn't go into any more specifics about that one he put at one point my wife became angry at me so we're, we're causing marital trouble rich and said she could never find the time to talk to me because I always had that podcast in my ear. So I don't know if we're we're causing trouble in the Goss household, but all is well, he says. Uh, having consumed all the back episodes, I must say that the Triple R podcast is something for everyone. Thank you very much. You've got the latest Wrexham football news. Um, yeah, we've got everything on opposition, club history, politics, food and beverages, geography, celebs, royals, ball predictions, etc., etc. But he does have something that he doesn't know from listening to all the episodes, Rich, and hopefully we can answer him today. So this one's for Dennis in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. He put, the one thing I'm still longing to hear is your own personal Why Wrexham stories. By that, I mean it would be great for you to tell the listeners what are your earliest childhood memories of Wrexham as well as what and when the events that led you to become the super fan you are today. So what can you remember as your early as your early Wrexham memories, your early Wrexham moments? It's a difficult one, that, isn't it? I mean, I do just remember sort of anecdotally my brothers always just talk about Price Griffiths growing up. I don't don't quite know why. Obviously, the, I mean, for me, it's all, probably one of the most introductions is my granddad used to live in the same block of flats as Mickey Thomas. So he used to always just tell me stories about Mickey Thomas and how he used to you know, know him quite well and they used to chat all the time. And I think for me, my story probably connects with quite a few Wrexham fans. That growing up, I had older brothers, and they didn't actively sort of support Wrexham themselves. They supported football, but they didn't support Wrexham really. I mean, they went to games because you know it was affordable for them to do in North Wales, and it would have been 
throughout the 90s. Well, my oldest brother's 10 years older than me. So, you know, they, they were going in the early 90s to, to matches and whatever. And, you know, I'd got signed a signed ball from like a 94, 95 team that was handed down to me. I've got old shirts that were handed down to me, old match programs that were handed to me. And for me, growing up, I didn't really, like the first few years of liking football, I didn't really have a team per se. And, you know, we'd watch Premier League matches, we'd watch, you know, foreign leagues and stuff. But going to actual Wrexham games and seeing how much it matters, you know, for me personally, the Premier League is just so, it's just such a distant level. It's so sort of obnoxious of the wider football world where fans are literally customers. They, they, there's no personal sort of connection to the players. There's no nothing. It just doesn't feel proper. But going to Wrexham and we're talking in the 2000s where, you know, our attendances would be in the 2000s or 3000s or whatever. And every penny you put into the club really did matter. I know right now the money side of it isn't as important and the club don't need the money like they, like they once did. But for me, it's Wrexham because it felt it was the belonging. You know, I was born at the Myler. It's the first club that I ever sort of cared about. And winning matches and losing matches, you know, if you man out of Liverpool, yes, it gives you a bit of a bit of a quick hit or whatever, but it doesn't have the same sort of economic impact and it doesn't affect the town as much as Wrexham's success affects Wrexham. You know, if Liverpool have a season where they finish mid-table, Liverpool's not going to disarray. You're not going to see businesses closing just because of that, are you? But in Wrexham, relegation and despair and the turmoil at the football club affected the whole region. It affected the town ginormously. They were so interlinked and intertwined. And for me, yeah, I just had this deep connection with Wrexham where it mattered and I felt a sense of belonging and family and the people I've met. And it's the anecdotal, we'll mention this. It was the same at Tramway on the weekend. The football was inconsequential. It didn't really matter what happened on the pitch. It was being there, being with my mates, having a laugh and just feeling part of something. And particularly when I worked on the media team, like I said, getting to know the players, getting to know the managers just as people. They weren't superstars. They weren't people who went home to mansions. They were people who were well-paid but won't be retiring at the age of 35 and never working again. And it was like, God, this just it just matters so much more than top-level football. And although I report on Man United, I'm so disenchanted with the Premier League and all the, the Super League ploys and the way modern football is still going. And obviously, I... I mean, we didn't mention the light show, did we, on Tuesday night? That's maybe one of the only criticisms I'll have of Wrexham at the moment. But it still feels proper and commuting and volunteers and the backbone of the club need to be remembered because that's why I fell in love with the club. Yeah, great. Well, damn, I should have gone first, I think. that's uh, Going second is terrible. Um, I'm going to then just pick out one of my early memories and it uh, always sticks with me. 30th of April, 2005, uh, away game at Stockport. I was going to be the mascot for the day. And um, I remember I didn't have a kit. I didn't have a full kit at the time. And um, I remember Rich Watkin uh, racing either late at night, the night before to, to the shop to get me a kit and um, helping my dad out. And I get on well with Rich now. He obviously runs my squin and fat boy and everything. And uh, anyway, I remember just didn't really get much time with the players beforehand. I was having a kick about with the other mascot on the pitch at Edgeley Park. Family were kind of um, at the front of the away end. And uh I just remember going in after the game. Wrexham had won 4-1 that day. And um, Juan Ugarte is my favourite player at the time, my all-time favourite Wrexham player. He'd scored a hat-trick. I just remember going around with a little, um, you know, I, was, I mean, I'm a small man now, but imagine me as a small child. And uh, I'm going around with my little autograph book. And my sister's there as well. My family are there. And I'm going around and I'm like 
idolising these players. Ben Foster in goal that day, Darren Ferguson in midfield, you had Chris Llewellyn, who else was in that team? You had Dennis Lawrence, who absolutely loved, obsessed with the fact that he had like a mini Cooper when he was at Wrexham when he was like 10 foot tall. Um, Sean Petchett, who we've had on the podcast, Carlos Edwards, um, Dennis Smith was manager then. It was just, you know, like when when you're a kid and you just you you idolise players. And I know people do that now for the Premier League, but I was within a couple of feet of them. And uh, yeah, well, and, I remember and, in yeah, I remember in year six at school. I, this has been mid two thousands, very early two thousands, when our head teacher, I was Uskelbrovamai between nestled between Riffin and Mould. Oh. Our head teacher, Mr. Gwyn Davis, who I saw at Torquay, shout out to Gwyn if you're listening. At his retirement, two of the Wrexham squad came to our primary school just because it was his retirement and he's a massive Wrexham fan. He supported them his whole life. And it's people like him that I'm so happy for. People that growing up, I remember people making fun of them because they supported Wrexham or whatever. Or why'd you do that? And, you know, this is, again... People say like, oh, are you annoyed by the tourist fans and stuff you get? I'm not annoyed by people across the world supporting Wrexham. It's those people who used to make fun of you supporting Wrexham who now are back on the bandwagon, you know, who used to support Liverpool or Everton or United and then they come disenchanted and it's like, actually, no, I support Wrexham now because they're fashionable and they're better. So, yeah, I just, I'm so happy with Wrexham's success now for all those people who supported us and suffered during those dark days that they now get to as you say on every podcast, have their flowers, have that moment and, and enjoy it because that's what matters. And I think of someone like Geraint, who, if anyone knows Wrexham, loves G, what a man, just selfless, so generous. And I'm so happy for people like him and all those who, who save the club that they get to enjoy it now. Well, look, that was a great email there from Dennis. I've got a very, very uh, quick one. We've got a couple more and we'll try and get through them as, as the weeks come, uh, as the weeks roll by even. Um, this one was from Vincent Hemmingson, and he put, um, he put, I enjoyed episode 126 immensely, so you can see how far yeah, I remember it well. Remember put, it well. Well, you listen to it on mute, probably. Um, enjoyed 126 immensely. I've tended to follow you on YouTube, but looking forward to delving more into the podcast. Thank you very much. As a Canadian fan of Wrexham, I'm curious why it is okay to call the club Wrexham or separately the Red Dragons, but it's a faux pas to say the Wrexham Red Dragons. Um, Humphrey is Humphrey Kerr has been quoted as saying um, previously that he doesn't want Rob McElhenney to make the mistake of saying the Wrexham Red Dragons. I've never really found an explanation, and I was wondering if you lads could clear it up. It's a good question. Yeah, is it acceptable calling? And yeah, Wrexham Red Dragons just sounds too American. Basically, it just sounds right. like what was it before the MLS, the North American Soccer League? It sounds sort of very eighties North American franchise sport, basically. Of, of why you wouldn't do that. I mean, we were traditionally the Robins, then we rebranded to the Red Dragons anyway because yeah. it was much more marketable. And there's so many teams in the UK called the Robins, but the Dragon was obviously North Walian. It gives you a bit more distinct marketing. So that's why we're called the Dragons, the Red Dragons. But we're just called the town, really, aren't we? I know we're a city now, but we're the town. It's just Wrexham or it's the town, or you could call us the Reds. But again, there's so many teams and... I think that on in terms of yeah, like I said, the dragons is sort of still was that sort of turn of the millennium we rebranded to the yeah. Dragons, I mean, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's, 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 a, it's, Rich, it's a bit like the changing names of the stands. Is that I think once people have a nickname for it, or you have an a you have a whatever you want to call it, the ground or, or the stand or or the the club or the kit, whatever, whatever, 
you kind of stick with that. I mean, I still had somebody said to me that they were in the the Price Griffiths stand or the the University stand or or they're in the yeah. That's how my older bros refer to them. They call it the Price Griffiths stand and stuff. Right. Yeah, because it's from their generation of coming to watch and. Yeah, you always got that connection of your sort of gateway to Wrexham and how it was when you joined, and that'll forever then be the good old days of. It used to be the Lucas Oil stand. That's how I always remember it. That surely, but... there's there's no one. If 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 in a year's time, I might start. Call, somebody... I might start calling it the Lucas Oil stand. I'm gonna I'm gonna deliberately mute that part of the podcast if you start doing that. <laughs> that lasted. Did that last fifty days? I can't even remember. It might yes. last even. Might lasted even less than that. I can't remember. Um. But anyway, um, thanks for those emails. There is another one from Nigel I'd rather get into next week, sort of touching on the food and drink that we spoke about uh, recently. But we've got so much. I mean, documentary will be out next week. We should My birthday know next the... week. Rich's birthday next week. We should know. Same day as the doc drops. 12th September has so... been overlooked, sadly, this year. Well, UK will be the 13th of September. The documentary drops on Disney. Um, and also, if you haven't already seen, Disney are doing... An offer of one ninety nine in the UK, I believe, for the first one ninety nine a month for the first three months. If you want to watch the documentary, so if you haven't got a, a, a sort of a Disney pass, that is probably an affordable way to go about it. So, Nath, into the Doncaster game this weekend. I don't want to get cocky. I don't want to be, you know, arrogant about it. But Wrexham feel a little bit rejuvenated, obviously, in terms of league performances now. We've unbeaten in our last five, is it? I think we drew of Wimbledon, beat Walsall, drew of Swindon and Barrow, and then defeated Tranmere. Up against Doncaster Rovers this weekend, they are currently rock bottom of the Football League. Two points from their opening six matches. They lost also in that Everton game in the Carabao Cup. Was that a week ago now or so? Like I said, their only points this season. At home to Swindon, they drew 0-0. And at home to Mansfield, they drew 2 all. They've lost both their games on the road. Do you reckon they're going to lose three on the road this season? Do you reckon we can get that win this weekend? It's one of them where you'll just be acute. If we say yes, I mean, hopefully we're talking to an echo chamber here of Wrexham fans agreeing with us, but Doncaster fans, I'm sure, will, will have some sort of victim complex that we're arrogant and we're not giving them a chance. I mean, look, they've got players that are known in the league, like so Joe Ironside. They're not going to have... Uh, who is the lad that got sent off? They're not going to have Tommy Rowe. Uh, he got sent off in the Swindon game. And look, Swindon were a very good team. They put five past us. I know we put five past them, but keeping a clean sheet against Swindon is a stepping stone for them, is a building block for them to build on. We're not going to have James McLean. We probably are going to have Jacob Mendy. Are we going to have Aaron Hayden back in there? Are we going to have Jordan Tunnicliffe? Are we going to have a lot of options defensively? Toads, I'm sure, will go back in. A lot of decisions for us to make. Um, we don't obviously know yet who has been registered, and maybe that'll be a clue. If someone's left out entirely, we don't know. It might not be a dead giveaway. Um, but I, I, we should be beating Doncaster at home, Rich. We've had a pretty tough start when you look at it. MK Dons, they're a high flyer. Wimbledon are a high flyer. Swindon are a high flyer. We did what we needed to do against Walsall. Barrow are going to be no mugs this season. The, the run we're on right now is where we've got to be turning the screw. And I think when you look at it, we've had a couple of aberrations. But the ultimate, the numbers, and I think the eye test, when you get over the two ones where we shipped 
two, 10 goals in two games. It, it looks quite good. The, the, the numbers look good. Uh, and we are, we are only a matter of time before we click into gear. And, and when Mullen comes back, that was when that will be. But I, I just feel like we're, and it might not be this weekend, don't get me wrong, it might be another weekend, but I just feel like we're on the cusp of a, of a hammering. All these chances, all these missed chances, just feel like we're, we're we're one or two games away from just an absolute mauling like Maidstone had um, when Rob McElhenney broke his curse last season. You're starting to sound like that that EFL account, you know, the one who said, "Do you honestly honestly believe that at the end of the season all 24 teams are in order?" Who, what was who, that about? The best over four. Well, I, I, it was that. It was that guy who's trying to say that he's not surprised not to count to top of the league because they were by far the best team in in the national league last season, I mean, despite they finishing but... four points behind Wrexham. Losing yeah, to Wrexham, of course, as well. Um, but of course, they were they were top for passes to the final third. They had the, the the least ball losses, so they were the best team. Not to count me. We might as well give you the trophy as well while we're at it. You know, I've got it's what I can't be doing that forced rivalry. Not to count me. I don't care. Fair play. You had a good summer. You've got a good team. Enjoy that. Enjoy League Two. But it's just a, the sniping that Wrexham get from from everyone else's it makes me laugh it does make me laugh um but yeah i am telling you that the team who is the best over 20 over 48 games whatever usually wins the league it typically works like that and you know right now doncaster have been the worst after six games Wrexham, you know i i would say sort of against that though is we all know that this stage of the season it's pointless to look at the table i reckon 10 games in we can start talking about form and we can start talking about where they are in the, in the table properly but you know right now it doesn't matter so much if Wrexham won they could go up to second this weekend if Doncaster won they could go up to well 20th but you know they could still have a decent sort of rise up the league and you know it only takes one week and things can change drastically so you know hopefully we can get a Wrexham win what type of team would you name then Nave? because we have kind of seen a look at most players now at this stage of the season Obviously, Hayden, fresh back from injury. Tunnicliffe's just made his return. Would you sort of go with the team that played against Tramier minus James McLean? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, George Evans is really good. So I, I feel like I, not finding a role for him seems What did you make bothersome. of Palmer and Dolby as a strike force against Tramier? I just don't think it worked, really. Uh, it looked like it, it lacked goals. goals. It looks like it lacks goals, but I mean, what? sort of choice do we have I, I think the comments afterwards from Parkinson were, were really bigging Dolby up and I think they need him to I think he's maybe the arm around the shoulder type needs to be bigged up needs minutes I'd play him again he's scored now hopefully that can get the ball rolling Palmer's already off the mark this season um, Mendy I would play Barnett I would play and I like Ford a lot but I'd go back to to Barnett the back three is an interesting one would you go I mean, I can't drop Boyle, so I'm going to have to stick. go Hayden. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd stick. stick. Boyle, I, I, I would stick. Hayden. I'd, I'd stick. And the midfield, I'd go Young, Shock, uh, Tom O'Connor, and Elliot Lee. I think you've just got to stick. I, I, and then it, more so now, who's missing out on the bench entirely? Because you've got your your seven subs, one of which will be a Conquo, you would imagine, ahead of Luke McNicholas. You're then probably going to have Ford. You're then probably going to have Tonicliffe, Evans. Um, James Jones or, or Andy Cannon, if one of those misses out. I mean, one won't even make the squad. Jordan Davis still not fit enough. O'Connell, is he going to get on there? You're going to get two centre-back, Bickerstaff. Lots and lots and lots of decisions, Rich. But I think you, you go the same lineup that played against Tranmere with uh, Jacob Mendy-Mendy at left wing-back. 
yeah, spoil for choice, and that's a good place to be in. Thank you very much for joining us today on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast. Thank you to Nath once again for joining us. A reminder that we have put that Just Giving link in the description of today's podcast as well. So if you do have any spare change or if you can at least just share the link on your socials, that would be hugely appreciated. Once again as well, we understand that not everyone can can donate to our podcast we're not asking for money ourselves right now but if you can subscribe if you can like if you can tell another Wrexham fan about the podcast if you don't listen to it as well that does really help us to to grow and to be able to get more guests on and to be able to put out more content as well a reminder we are on all the socials give our youtube a look as well there might be another video dropping at some point in the next few days we're not still quite sure on that but please subscribe there if you can all we have to say now is take care Enjoy your week and we'll see you again next time where we will have a new series of Welcome to Wrexham to talk about, hopefully three points as well. Come on the town. We'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.